Hey everybody, do you find that you spend a lot of your days just being busy? You're busy, but you're never getting anything important done. Well, if so, this episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast is going to be for you. We're going to talk about why being busy is a problem and what's the difference between being busy and being productive. Because of course, the more productive you are, the more positive financial impact you'll have on your business because you're getting the right activities done. Speaking of uh, financial impact, if you've listened to any of the last 120 plus episodes of the Weekly Wealth Podcast, and if you've ever wondered what it would be like to work with me personally as your financial advisor, I have a very simple process. Go to www.weeklywealthpodcast.com, click on the Contact Us tab at the top, and you'll have access to my calendar. You can schedule a uh, 30-minute appointment via Zoom or in person, and we can talk about the 30,000-foot aspects of your financial life. We can talk about what's keeping you up at night, and we can discuss if we are a good fit and what the next steps might be. It's really just that simple. So I hope that you enjoy this episode and you learn a lot about productivity and how not to just be busy. This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with certified financial planner, David Chudik, where we discuss the wealth building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. We're going to get started with this week's episode, and we're going to talk with Valerie Jackson. And Valerie is known as a dynamic speaker. Her engaging style compels you to dig deeper, think higher, and get to action quickly. Maybe it's her NASA training or the years as an aerospace engineer that give her the ability to set you on a trajectory to achieve greater than you realized what you could. So, hey, Valerie, how are you? I am fantastic, David. How are you today? I'm I'm doing really, really well. So you are were an aerospace engineer. Is that like a rocket scientist? So uh is is this um is this gonna be rocket science we're talking about today? So <laughs> no, it may feel like rocket science because getting things done is difficult for a lot of people, but no, it's much simpler than that. So our topic today is busyness. And this seems like really simple. Like I should just work hard and then I'll get a lot done and I'll be really successful and life is great. But but I find that's not true in my life. And I'm sure you find that it's not true probably in your life to an extent and with your clients. So let's talk about busyness. And, and like, what are some ways that you see your clients just being, quote, busy? Well, So that is usually what people come to me for is, gosh, Valerie, I'm just not getting things done. I I have the same things on my to-do list for not days, not weeks, but sometimes even years, which I have to admit I was one of those. So when we find ourselves being so busy, it's most often because we've tied our activities to things that are important for other people and other people's values and not our own. Let's talk about that maybe in an example of maybe some an industry that that one of your clients might be in on some of the things that they do that are tied to other people's values and and not their own. That's that's really fascinating to me. Yes, and it's it's in business, it's in life because here's the uh the misconception. We feel like we can separate our business life from our personal life. It's one life. It's one 24-hour period. And what impacts us personally definitely impacts us professionally and vice versa. So a good example is running around doing other things for other people. 
Um, here's here's a good example of a friend of mine who is always of service to others at, you know, somebody else's kid gets picked up from school. She makes sure that they have what they need from the grocery store. And when it comes to doing things for herself, she's depleted. There's nothing else to give. We get our capability and capacity mixed up all the time. If you were looking for a professional example of that, it's just doing the things like we just had a quick conversation about income producing activities. You are responsible for your bottom line, whether you're the CEO of the company, a leader, the leader of an organization, an entrepreneur of a small business, you have to bring in the dollars. And when you're doing the things that do not bring them in, things that other people should be doing, then it doesn't work well. If you're the one who's making the copies when you should be the one who's creating the content that those copies are going to be made from, you've done yourself and your company a disservice. And I always thought that maybe in my next life, I would be some sort of a therapist or something like that. Because I think there's always kind of a a reason behind what we do. So if we go back to that person that you mentioned that is always doing for others, I'm sure that's a nice person and a kind person, but is there maybe a, yes. a, a deeper reason why maybe she just doesn't want to do for herself or, or like, is there something else there that you could unpack that um, is, is the deeper, deeper reason? Okay. So now we're going to, we're going to really go deeply. We're in going there, but deep. I love this. I like yes, it. Yes. I love it. I love it. So often what I've experienced when we unpack it all, and this was actually what showed up in my life is a lack of self-value, not self-esteem, self-value. So it's those private decisions you make that are going to benefit someone else and not benefit yourself. You realize that, and yet you decide to do what's best for the other person, which, and I'm not saying giving is, is, is a bad thing to do. I think giving is very important. We need to be givers. And yet we have to think of ourselves first. So I did a financial literacy class for for a nonprofit, and we talked about generosity, but we also talked about sometimes there's a fine line between being a good, generous person and being a wuss that can't say no. Right. And, and yes, and, and yes. you could say, well, you can say, well, I'm generous, but maybe you're just a wuss and you can't say no when it's appropriate to say no. And of course we should be generous, um, but sometimes yes. we just don't say no. Why is being busy a problem? I would think if I'm busy, I'm doing a lot of stuff. I should be productive and and I'm going to be successful. So why is that a problem? Well, so you just said something very very interesting. Being busy is not necessarily being productive. And busy, being busy often leaves us unfulfilled. We come to the end of our day, we're exhausted. And how we measure ourselves against whatever our view of success is, we have not measured up because we haven't done the things that are important. Now, that's another deep, deep conversation is, are they the things that are important to us? But just that busyness, and I spell it with B-U-S-Y-N-E-S-S, leaves us feeling like we just haven't measured up. We can never get there. What about... What about procrastination? Um, Let's say I have a client that I need to call and I know that client for whatever reason, they're not happy and I need to have a difficult phone call with that client. Um, And I'm, I'm, I'm dreading the call. And first of all, things are almost never, are they as bad as what you think they're going to be? 
but mm-hmm. is it normal? Cause I know I would do this. I would just be so busy. You know, I would all of a sudden be a cleaning person that I would have to clean the bathroom. And then I'd have to change the ink cartridges and then maybe actually go through and pay bills. And this is all so I could say I'm busy, but it's really to avoid calling that person that I just know might be an uncomfortable call. Right. I mean, is that a normal, mm-hmm. typical, uh, typical type uh, way of avoiding behaviors? Absolutely. And let's talk about procrastination for a minute, because it speaks to one of the principles of productivity. So often when we avoid doing things, it's for three reasons that I have identified. We either, number one, should not be doing the task ourselves to begin with. It's just not our task. Secondly, we lack the skill to complete the task. Or thirdly, we're unclear on how to move forward. Now, the difference is it's very clear to see if it's not your task to do. We've taken on something that we shouldn't have done. We're avoiding doing it. And and we're just kind of, you know, waiting around to hope it goes away. But in those other two examples. But now in a smaller business, let's say, let's say you're a solopreneur, right? Yes. You're it. And until yeah, until you have the resources to hire someone or, or outsource or or piecemeal, like what do you do then? I mean, you could say, well, this yes. is really kind of isn't my thing, but but you're it. What what do you do? So, and if you are it, it is your thing to do, and so it's going to be probably one of those other reasons. So, let's say it's that you lack the skill to complete the task. Difficult conversations are called that for a reason, and that takes training. It takes practice. It takes awareness of self and awareness of the person you're speaking to. And and to be on a level where your communication is at the top. So perhaps you're avoiding it because you just don't know what to say or how to handle the conversation. The other option is perhaps you're in, in, in being unclear. Is it even time to have the conversation? What is this conversation about? The person may be upset, but is it because you did not perform something that you were supposed that you should even be working with? So lack of clarity often is a reason for procrastination. And I personally believe that procrastination can be a gift. Wow. So unpack that a little bit more because (laughs) we tend to look at procrastinators as lazy people who just don't want to work. And it seems yes. halfway logical, right? Valerie's been procrastinating about XYZ task. That must mean that she's lazy and doesn't care about her job. Is that, mm-hmm. that, that apparently is not the case, is it? No, it's often not the case. In fact, so this, this, you'll enjoy this. I have been writing a book on procrastination and have not been able to finish it. And so I'd always find that interesting. <laughs> it will get finished. Um, And one of the things that I've uncovered in experience is that lack of clarity is a big part. When we're unclear on how to proceed or even if to proceed, it it can appear that we're procrastinating. What we're waiting for is direction. And when you're able to articulate that, then that takes away or at least alleviates to some point the vision that and the perception that you're being lazy. It's you're unclear. So how do you, so a lot of our listeners are leaders. They're either leaders of their own business. They're, they're leaders of, mm-hmm. of a department um, in an organization. So I can see how it would be the leader's job to provide clarity on maybe how to, how to complete tasks and when they should be completed to kind of eliminate procrastination of, of, of the team members. But 
being a leader kind of comes with more responsibility. So how does the leader get more direction on on the items where they're progressing? As example, your book, there's nobody going to fire yeah. you because you didn't get the book done. You could just simply say, you know what, I'm not going to finish the book. I don't want to write the book anymore. And you know, life will go on. You you may regret not writing the book, but you're not losing your job. You're not going to lose lose your paycheck. So how are you going to get yourself clear and get yourself to finish the darn book? You can be the example yeah, here. So <laughs> and thank you for that question, because I'm telling you, that has been the question. I sought out help. Mm. I have a coach helped me work through, number one, why the book wasn't getting done. And, and actually, primarily just that the book was so important to write because it's something that I have struggled with. And, and he let me see that, you know what, this there's a reason for this. And once I start working through that process, then I get clearer. It, and it is a journey. So first of all, don't go this alone. I understand leaders, you know, what it's like at the top. I get all that. I'm there. I've been there many times. I've worked with many leaders. And you just don't hang out by yourself. Find your community. Find support. Sometimes it's in a mastermind group. Other times it's with a coach. Um, but just be honest and be vulnerable. And that's the one part that people don't seem to want to face is vulnerability. But being vulnerable and honest about where you are, and then that's when you can find someone else to support you. Let's take a quick break from the podcast. If you're a business owner and you're listening to this podcast, and if you've ever thought that you could fund your retirement or your future lifestyle with the sale of your business, you're not alone. Go to my website, www.allofmyassets.com and take the value builder score. You can learn about some areas of your business that you can maximize so that you can sell your business for a higher multiple when you're ready later, or simply have an easier and more profitable life today. Okay, let's get back to the podcast. And let's look at the other side. Let's look at as a leader, you have a team. And let's say you have some people on your team, and they're not bad people. They're not lazy. They're not trying to steal time from the company. But they're just these people that they're always busy. And we all know that person that's just busy, 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 busy. But the results the that their job is, is to produce just consistently don't get accomplished. So they're busy, um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, chit-chatting with customers a little bit longer than what's appropriate. We have to give our clients a, a great experience, but sometimes we can't chit-chat for an hour and a half. Um, how do you coach your team to be um, more productive and less busy? Because, you know, I know I go home some days. I'm like, I don't even know what I did, but I didn't stop all day. Right. And, and I didn't sell anything. I didn't make any money. So, you know, we didn't have any positive results. And then other days it's like, okay, it's 11 o'clock. I got everything I needed to get done. I got some big appointments with major clients scheduled. Um, I got some major revenue producing items done and shoot, it's 11 o'clock. I had a great productive day. I could be done for the day and not quote busy. So how do you, mm -hmm. how do you, how do you mm -hmm. coach people to be less busy and more productive? Well, it starts with being clear on what your values are. And when you hold productivity to your values, you're going to get there much more often than not. And as a leader, that's one of the leader's responsibilities is to be clear about what the values of the organization are. 
So if you were going to define further, busyness versus productivity, how would you define that kind of clearly to your team? Yes. So busyness often has no direction. Okay. When you think of being how we see busy as a bee, bees seem to just fly all over the place. They buzz around. They're going from here to there. Now, what we don't understand is they really do have some direction. But for us, it looks like they're all about the place. Uh, being a busybody means what? You're just a, that's a person that we know that's just kind of jumping around. They're doing things. They have their hands in everything, but not really affecting any change or, or, or giving any value to the situation. So that's what, when I look at busy, if it's not defined and held to a value, then you probably are busy. Mm-hmm. Productive, you can measure that. Mm. You can say, it's I'm doing this because it's going to give me this result. And that result is tied to this value. It's much clearer. That is, that's fascinating. And, and that takes, you know, literal... I don't know, conscious effort and, and conscious uh, mental effort to make, to literally ask yourself, is what I'm doing right now taking me towards my part of the team's goal? And if it's not, mm-hmm. it, you know, maybe it needs to be done at a later time or, or not at all. What about customer and client? The client always thinks what they have is an emergency. And, and of course we treat our clients, clients incredibly well. But um, let's say you are in the customer service department of your of your um, of your company, and um, your workload does not allow you to solve my the customer's problem. And and my problem mm-hmm. is not life threatening. It's maybe a billing issue, and my bill is not due until two weeks from now. And I think my bill is fifty dollars higher than it should be. You have other, you know, as a customer service representative, you have many 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 other tasks, and you might be tempted to put me at the front of the of the line but that kind of you know that that would just ruin your your entire level of productivity so how would you tell me as a customer look i'll get to you next week and and or i'll get to you when 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 i have the time and maybe diffuse the fact that my my problem is not as big of a problem as i think it might be so when you're talking about front forward facing employees Mm-hmm. It is the leader's responsibility to as to procedurally set expectations before mm-hmm. the problem comes. That customer should have known when they came into your into your organization for service or whatever it is they're doing with you that when I have a billing issue, it will be handled within 24 hours of my request or whatever is appropriate. So that's where you have to go back and let them know. And then the person who has other things to do, probably shouldn't be handling those requests anyway. Sometimes we have to look at, are people in the right seats in the bus? And are they the right ones to handle the situation? Because that can often be, like you said, they're good people, but they not may not be the best people in the positions that they're in. So sometimes it's jockeying around, but often it's just setting reasonable expectations. I know back in my real estate days, which I did for many, many years, I always told my clients when we did our initial consultation. I do not answer my phone when I'm with another client. So should something come up, leave me a message, shoot me an email, whatever it is, send me a text. And when I have a free moment, I will address it. And that made sense to them because I told them right from the beginning. And I would absolutely respect that from you. Yes. I would not feel like you're not giving me good service. I would know. because the client that you're with is now getting your 100% attention and there will be times right. when I'm that client and I'm getting your 100% yes. attention. 
And that's exactly the example I use. And they were able to see that when I was with them, I was present. And they appreciate that. But when you set a different standard and a different expectation, or you leave it to someone else's assumption or interpretation, you're pretty much always going to lose. So how do you work um, with with business leaders? And in, in what sense do you work monthly, weekly, or or, or what, are, what are some of the ways that you work with your clients? And who is your typical type of a client? What what demographic? Uh, what What position? What size business? Yes. So when I'm working with a medium to large organization, it's usually in one of two ways. It's either by facilitating a training. So they've identified, you know, our people are not well-versed or, or really where they could be in productivity, let's bring someone in to help them with that. So I will come in, do a workshop for them, and then follow up with a group coaching to help them embed the learning that has happened within the workshops. The other way is directly with the leader as an executive coaching client. So that's when we start to have those really deep conversations about what's really going on, not just with the organization, but with them personally as well. Because again, same person, same 24-hour period, how is this being impacted and how is this impacting your company? The other demographic that I work with is the owners of small service-based organizations. So real estate, financial services, um, insurance, anything like that where the person is providing a service. And the reason why that's so important to me is from my own experience, and I've got more than 25 years as a business owner, when we're providing a service, we often do not have a good hold on what our value is. Hmm. See, when you're selling a hamburger, you know what it costs to bring in the ham, the meats and the whatever it is, and you know what that price on that hamburger should be when it leaves the door, and you can count how many you've sold at the end of the day, and you know where you are. But when you're providing a service, a lot of that gets really muddy and convoluted. And so helping the business owner really dial in on, number one, what is the value of your service, and therefore, what is the value of your time? How do you want to segment your time and what are the most productive and important activities for you to be doing and those do include personal activities so those are the best ways i can describe that i can help people in those different industries well that is ridiculously awesome i find and and one of the taglines of our podcast is we talk about the mindsets tactics and strategies that can help you to build and maintain wealth. And I purposely put mindset first, because I think yeah. so much of our results comes from what's between our two stupid ears. And, and sometimes yes. we get in our way with how we think. And I've, I've met plenty of people in my business who believe that charging a financial planning fee, I mean, nobody would ever pay for that. And well, there are people that charge thousands of dollars for financial planning fees, and it's because those are the financial advisors that truly believe that the value that their client is getting is infinitely more than the couple thousand dollars that they're paying. So mm -hmm. nobody in my business really knows anything else that, that somebody else doesn't know. I mean, we've all taken the training, especially if you're a CFP like me, you have a, a wealth yes. of knowledge, but it's how do you, um, you know, what's going on in your mind that helps you to deal with clients um, better? That's yeah. uh, very fascinating that you talked about that. So someone that's thinking, you know what? I need to get out of my own way. I go home every day. I'm stressed out. You know, I just, I'm not getting 
I'm not getting to the things that are important that I know I need to do. And, and this sounds like something I'd like to dive into and maybe see if I can solve some of my issues. Because like what you said, you you hired a coach to get your book done and you're a coach. So right. if a coach needs a coach and is benefiting from a coach, who else of us could not benefit from a coach? So uh, how would somebody, if they wanted to find out a little bit more about you or engage with you or or take that next step, what are some ways that they could find you and reach out to you? So the best way to reach me and get a response, <laughs> and I always put that part in and get a response, is to connect with me on LinkedIn. Send me a message. And I will reply to it because I can very easily tell when it's a sincere, Valerie, I'd like to talk to you about. And, you know, for your listeners, mention that that you uh, heard the podcast and or maybe you're one of David's trusted clients or just something so that I know, no, this is an actual person. And we can set up a quick 15, 20 minute call to just dive in and see what it is that's really challenging you and how I might be able to help. The other way is just, I sent a link. It's my tap link. It's got where I'm appearing. If someone wants to know more about that or just how to delve into some of the courses that I have that will help you figure out, okay, yeah, this, this really is an issue. I need to address it more and then we can have a deeper conversation. Perfect. Perfect. And we will put that uh, in the show notes, the, the tap link dot CC slash Valerie. And uh, that'll, yes. be, uh, that'll be pretty cool stuff. I like to say that we're a financial planning to- uh, podcast that doesn't always talk about typical financial planning topics. So we can talk about what are the, the new Roth IRA rules and, and those kind of things. And we will. But I also think that if we talk to people like you, our listeners are going to run better businesses that are going to be more profitable and it's going to have more impact on their financial life than if we talk about, hey, you know, Amazon is down and we should sell it or Amazon is up and we should sell it. So I like to give tools that can empower business owners mostly, but also individuals to have better lives. And uh, and I think you, you've definitely done that today. And then finally, I always put our guests on the spot and I never tell you the last question I'm going to ask you. So, um, so here we go, but we are the weekly wealth podcast and, um, Valerie, I would like to know what is your definition of wealth? What does wealth mean for you, for your family and your life? What's your definition of wealth? For me, wealth is, and it's all about resources, right? But it's about learning. That's what I look at the ability to learn because we don't have it all figured it out. And again, we don't, we shouldn't be trying to do it alone. So awareness and continued learning, I think are the most valuable things you can offer yourself. I love that. I love that because there's really nothing that you can't learn that can take you to some next level. Whatever your next level is, yeah. somebody's kind of been there and somebody's done it or somebody can help you to get there or somebody's wrote written a book about it or there's a coach or somebody. So I think learning is such 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 a valuable tool in life uh, tom corley wrote a book called rich habits and he surveyed what he called rich people and 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 what he called poor people and, and it was a very unjudgmental book it was just what do rich people do and not do and what do um, poor people do and not do and one thing that all quote rich people had was some form of a library in their house and even if that was a bookshelf with books and how he, the way what he defined as, quote, poor people, um, there were literally no books. 
And so it's not that poor people are bad and God doesn't love them, but if if we want habits that serve us, reading books is a good thing. Not reading, you know, watching reality TV doesn't necessarily serve us. So that's the um, that's the learning piece that you uh, that you brought up, which is why you're successful because yes. you're because you're learning. Yes. So awesome. thank you. Well, I appreciate your help, Valerie. Um, everybody, go to LinkedIn and uh, look for Valerie Jackson. That's V A L A R I. Spells it a little differently. Um, I love it. Check it out and uh, send her a message if you would like to talk about how you can improve your productivity um, and not be so busy and maybe work on you know more of the high level activities that can take your life, your relationships, and your business to the next level. So until next week, we wish everybody a uh, blessed week. Thanks, Valerie. Thank you, David. This is fantastic. The information contained herein, including but not limited to research, market valuations, calculations, estimates, and other material obtained from Parallel Financial and other sources are believed to be reliable. However, Parallel Financial does not warrant its accuracy or completedness. The materials are provided for informational purposes only. It should not be used or construed as an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security. Past performance is not indicative of future results.